just impressive to watch, and so obviously, uh, you know, tomorrow will be a, a good challenge for us, and um, you, know, you just got to make sure that, uh, you know, try to limit his, his time and space as much as possible, but knowing that he's going to probably get some looks, but you, know, you just try to play him as hard as you can and, and give him as uh, little as time and space as you possibly can. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Try 2for1pizza's pizzas new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Hour 2 of Leafs Lunch. It's Julie Tashery and Mike DiStefano. We're going to be joined very shortly by Matt Cassian to tee up a big one tonight. It's the Leafs and the Oilers. You just heard... Austin Matthews talking about a matchup between Connor and Austin. Just one of the games that you circle on the calendar every year is an exciting one. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's even more exciting tonight because you get to see a couple of newbies come into the lineup, right? Like Sam Lafferty and, and Jake McCabe will both make their Leafs debut. Um, oh, do we, what number did we What, McCabe's number two? I think Lafferty's 28, I want to say, I think is what I saw. So two and 28. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this is this is always a game. I mean, whenever McDavid's on the ice and you get a chance to, to watch him, you're you're gonna be excited. Like what that guy's doing this year is unbelievable. He's on pace for 155 points. I know. I have to be excited about it. Even though I took Austin Matthews over Connor McDavid <laughs> in fantasy in our rolling, and I just have to sit here and smile about it. But yeah, Connor McDavid's gonna get a bajillion points. What, what's the bigger heartbreak? The fact that he's on pace for 155 points or the fact he's on pace for 67 goals? 67 goals. Because that was part. your theory the, yeah. the whole time, and then here he goes. Like it's it's really quite remarkable what uh, what what Connor McDavid's doing, and they made a big move yesterday too. Like we're talking about all the moves that Toronto made and what Kyle Dubas made. They went out and they addressed the situation that they had on their back end, bringing in Matias Ekholm. And that's a serious piece. Yeah. Like, Matias Ekholm is a legit top three rugged stay-at-home defensive defenseman. Like, that's, that's what he can do for you. And, you know, he can move the puck, too. So he's not like a slouch. He's not a liability when he has the puck, either. So, like, he can do a lot of good things for this team. I think that's a really, really good addition for this squad. And, like, for a, a, a team that's in a conference that's very wide open, you know, like, that's the type of move that can maybe put them – just a little bit ahead of the rest of the uh, the rest of the guys. Like you got Colorado, who's probably the best team in that in that conference. I would say they're starting to heat up. But then after that, like there's there's not a lot of teams that really scare you. No, not in the West. It's it, and it makes me like Johnny Lazarus brought this up yesterday. It kind of makes me sad. Ab, I don't know if the West is fully started. Like I don't know if the trade deadline is different for them. What their entire vibe is about. <laughs> but the East is so much stronger. They're starting. They than brought the in Gavrikov. You know, so it's. I'm shaking Echo my boots. Gavrikov. I'm so scared. Yeah. Uh, just to Lazarus's point yesterday, and, and the point I was making last week, that whatever team from the East makes it out is going to be beat to hell by the time they play that team from the West, and I think it's such an advantage. Uh, but now let's bring in hockey analyst with TSN 1260 former NHLer Matt Cassian. How's it going, Matt? It is. It's going. I'm bit of been a pretty crazy week both here and uh and out there in the uh, in the Ontario region for you guys man what uh, what a week of action here from a trade standpoint oh my gosh i know we beg for it all year long and this trade deadline has not disappointed thus far that might disappoint james duffy on friday when Honestly, he's in there I, I don't know like like there's Matt, so much you, to unpack well now. you tell me like you still you look at the trade bay boards and we keep saying like oh there's nothing left and there's nothing left and then all of a sudden there's still moves that are happening on on monday it was a massive day and then on tuesday you saw a whole bunch of trades like i just get the feeling that we'll still see a whole bunch of movement between now and friday what about you 
I, I think it's quite possible, and I, I think it's exciting that, that that happens. I mean, how many years have we had, you know, stale and, and boring trade deadline days? But, um, I mean, that arms race, particularly in the East, where they just everyone's been bulking up and, and trying to um, shore up their lineups and add depth and add firepower, and it's just been, it's just been awesome. So I, I absolutely love it. I do think we could see some more, um, you know, even looking like at that Jonathan Quick trade today, I'm just kind of like, whoa. Like I don't think, I don't think anybody really saw that happen. But now all of a sudden, LA is getting in on it too. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time for sure. And as you were both just talking about, um, I think everyone out here in the West is just kind of hoping because it's wide open out here that the East just beats each other to a pulp and in, in time for the Stanley Cup final. Well, how motivating should that be for the teams out last? Like, obviously, we saw Edmonton finally make a deal. They bring in Matthias Ekholm. Like, what type of impact does that do for Edmonton? What does that kind of catapult them in terms of being powerhouses in uh, in the West? Well, I think it helps you. And the, the thing I like about this trade is it helps you for multiple years. You know, this isn't just a one-off, not one and done. You're bringing in a, a veteran D, which really has fit the bill for what you've needed all year long for Edmonton, which is someone to help keep the puck out of your own net. Um, so it helps you this year for the playoffs and beyond, and then, you know, for the next couple of years as well. And, and on top of that, you're getting a guy that maybe can settle down um, Evan Bouchard on the right side, who's really struggled this year. Uh, I think he's really missed having Duncan Keith around just to calm him down from an expectation standpoint and to, to mentor him and to coach him through and Eklund comes in as a guy that has a history of doing that in Nashville uh, so, so you're getting a just a really really important piece um, now you had to give up uh, a guy in Tyson Berry who has been having quietly a fantastic season here, actually really consistent in his own zone for someone that, as you would have seen in Toronto, has at times really struggled back there. He's actually Very been really familiar. good. <laughs> He's been really good. Um, but she had to give up something to get something. So I think it improves Edmonton's standing here. I mean, it's still still going to be challenging to come out of the West. Um, but I think a little bit more wide open that depending on seating and depending on who you run into and, and and depending on health, really anybody could win it. There's, there's no, I would say, one team that just has an absolute stranglehold. Although, you know, I would kind of lean towards Colorado being that team if they can get and stay healthy. I was listening yeah. to uh, Ryan Rashog talk about this move and the fact that it was Tyson Berry that had to go out the door. I, personally, I don't think I worry about their power play. Like, I think you could throw me out there with, with Connor and Leon <laughs> and I might rip a couple. But are you concerned about the fact that it was Tyson Berry just when it comes to the cohesion in the room? Um, I mean that it's it's tough to say exactly how that'll impact. I, I think Ekholm coming in and particularly in that Nashville dressing room, like it's not it's not a group that you're I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. Um now does it impact you? Yes it impacts you. Does it hurt with Bro, uh, or sorry, with uh, uh, Barry going out, um, most likely Evan Bouchard stepping in. Well, B- Bouchard has shown when he has been out there on the power play that he has an aptitude. He's got a great shot. Yeah, he does. He um, moves the puck fairly well. Now, the 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 rap on him is particularly in the defensive zone. The, you know, he's he's about as passive as you get. Like he, I don't think the guy has an aggressive bone in his body. Um, he just he just doesn't. I mean, he sometimes he just kind of ends up standing there staring at the play, watching and develop and be like, oh, wait, I need to actually play defense and do something. Um, but he doesn't have that same issue in the offensive zone. You know, he's got some good offensive instinct, uh, again, has a booming shot. And I think 
the few times that they have seen him on the power play, I think they're comfortable with him being out there. And, and the, the bottom line for me personally, in, in my opinion, is this. If your power play is a little bit worse, but you get way better defensively five-on-five, five, you you're still going to have a, a absolutely stellar power play, and you short up a part of your team that, that has just absolutely crippled you at times this year, which is just keeping the puck out of your own net five-on-five. Five. So uh, there, there may be a little bit of a downgrade on the power play, but at the same time, I, I do really feel that that upgrade five-on-five, five, taking some of the pressure off Darnell Nurse and that, and that top pairing, um, stabilizing you know, your young guys on, on the right side uh, of, the, of the D pairings, it just, to me, it just needed to happen. Way more than an error Carlson trade, which is, would be like, well, you're trying to make your power play better because it's like, well, your power play isn't going to get any better. You can afford to have it a little bit worse to just stabilize everything that's happening in your own zone. So I'm curious because you mentioned, you know, there's some concerns over the way that Evan Bouchard plays plays defense, and we saw what Toronto has done over the course of the last 72 hours in, in bolstering that position and making sure that they get tougher to play against in the defensive end. Is is that maybe still on the shopping list for yep. for the Edmonton Oilers in the next uh, oh, 72 absolutely. hours? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the two things still on the shopping list, you still got a, a potentially like a depth, a depth, a, a bottom six forward, uh, just in case of injury, in case of, um, you know, just things not panning out. Um, you know, that could be something. And then still looking at a depth forward, uh, this time potentially on the right side of the ice, would be something they're looking at. Now, they, they still really, really like Philip Broberg as a, as a young guy, as a young player. Um, uh, but there have been those concerns with Bouchard at times this year where he has just really struggled defensively and you know, I think that hope going into the season after playoffs last year because he took a really big step forward there was that you know, he was going to kind of be at that level that we saw in the playoffs to start the year and maybe progress a little bit further but it just hasn't happened. He took a step back. So I still think it's on the shopping list. I think with the Ekholm trade happening, the, the pressure is off to make a big move for Ken Holland. Um, and I think they managed to do it in a way that they still have some some draft capital and some, some assets to move. Um, but more with the focus of, okay, we need to not just think about only this year. You know, we want to obviously be a, a, a contender this year, but we want to be a contender next year and the year after. You kind of have a three to four year window, let's call it, especially with those contracts from McDavid and Drysaddle, um, so they're they're definitely still looking to add there. I just I don't know if they add before Friday, or if it's something that they look to do in the summer. With Matt Cassian, hockey analyst with uh, TSN 1260 out in Edmonton, former NHLer, and uh, Leafs and Oilers tonight. Connor McDavid will be on the ice, obviously tantalizing every single one of the the Leafs blue liners, and and you know Morgan Riley because we all remember that play, uh, obviously. But <laughs> we play a game here in Toronto on Wednesdays. It's uh, Word Association Wednesday, and so I'm going to make a statement, and then you got to tell me the first word that comes to your mind after this statement, okay? Fair. I like this game. This is a good one. All right. Connor McDavid reached the 50-goal plateau this week and is on pace for 67 goals and 154 points. Um, expected. Expected 67 goals? <laughs> I thought you were going to say expletive. 
No, well, they, they, yeah, that that crossed my mind too. But we can't we can't use those right, ones. Right, right, right. Um, listen, I had the absolute pleasure of watching him over the last number of years, and I still remember the first time. And because typically I watch in the press boxes, but uh, you know, I, I went to watch a game, and it was I believe it was his first game against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins when I went with one of my buddies, and it was like, okay, let's let's go sit up close tonight and watch, um, and. It, uh, just seeing him up close, and you see it from up high, but seeing him up close and going head to head with Sid, I I thought to myself, this is this may be the best player that has ever played the game. Being perfectly frank, as someone who you know, I I spent a lot of time when I was playing in the NHL in the press box watching, <laughs> being healthy scratched, and then when I was actually in the games, I spent a lot of time on the bench watching. So I I had a firsthand look at a, at a lot of guys, and there is just there is no one that I have ever seen that can do what he is able to do, and that was as a young player, and he has continued to improve and get better and get better, and then you surround him with a couple offensive pieces that can that can help and that can. Uh, um, um, add to his uh, his threat, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, when he he wasn't putting up over 50 goals, he had at times in his game a um, a little bit of a past first mentality, which which he acknowledged and had talked about working on and getting into that that shooting first mentality. And as we saw that happen, I just I just. I'm just not surprised anymore by anything amazing that he does. So uh, is it is it absolutely insane to think that, that it's like, okay, well, I kind of expect him to do that? Well, well, maybe, but at the same time, watching how he started the year and how he's been playing, I'm like, well, he's healthy. He's full of energy. He wants to win. He's going to put up a ton of points. And I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, I kind of feel like it's almost expected at this point, which is also just kind of asinine and insane that <laughs> I even am at that point. Yeah, uh, is that the thing that you've noticed of all a most the most this season with the big offensive outbursts from Connor McDavid, the shoot first mentality, or or is he is he dialed in the shot itself? I I think a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. And I, just as an example of that, there was a game the other day, and he's tried to do it a couple times, um, where where he banked it in off the goalie's back. You know, he's stepping around, he's, he's uh, on his forehand side, basically at the goal line. Um, and he's tried it a couple times, where in that position, I think in the last couple of years, he probably would hesitate to shoot. Um, but he's looking at like, and you could see it, and he, it's almost like in the play, you can see his you know, the, the switch flip in his brain where he's like, there's a little bit of space here. And instead of looking to the pass, because he, he's looking past, looking past, looking past, sees where the goalie is, and he's like, I'm going to try to bank this off the guy's back. Um, and, it, you know, one of the two times in the last three games, it's worked. And you're just like, okay, well, that, I guess that's what Connor's doing now. Um, uh, so you've seen just a mindset of if there's a shot there, I can take it myself. If there's, a, if there's a gap there, I can take that shot and I can make that shot and I can put it where I want to myself versus like, well, I might, you know, try to just set someone else up, um, which is, uh, you know, he also finds guys all the time. Um, um, but, <clears throat> you know, the thing to me that makes it, it better this year is with that shooting mentality is even if his shot, and it's always tough to say, well, has his shot got better? Has it not? I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is, is he, 
he's just unafraid to be shooting, and his ability as, as a passer forces goalies to, at times, cheat pass a little bit, which creates more space for him to shoot, which when he, he then shoots, and then you know, goalies, if they cheat shot, he's, he's got the pass, and he's just he's so multidimensional in terms of what he can do in the offensive zone, what he can do off the rush, that it just, yeah, it, it just, he's just continued to improve and get better and better. Are you concerned at all with the Oilers' goaltending tandem going to the playoffs? And we've been speaking very highly of Edmonton, but that's kind yeah. of the, the elephant in the room. Is is Jack yep. Campbell and Stu Skinner? You know, is that tandem good enough to to get them to where they want to go? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a, I think a challenging question. I mean, the emergence of Stuart Skinner this year has been extremely beneficial for the group, and you you have seen you know the at times inconsistencies in in Jack Campbell's game, and that's something that's been there this year. I mean, he had a horrible start to the season, and he is he is. Um, since rebounded, I would say, and then you know he was playing really, really well, and then it's tailed off a little bit the last couple starts he's had. Um, I'm not necessarily concerned about him in terms of thinking he's going to be horrible the rest of the way, um, but to look at the tandem and say, okay, well, in Stuart Skinner, even though he has played, I would say, very, very well, he's played well enough to win in the playoffs. He's, he's a young guy. Um, that doesn't have playoff experience and, and you don't know exactly what you're going to get. So, so there's some questioning there. Um, and then Campbell, it's like, well, which, which version of him are you going to get? Um, so again, the reality is, is I don't know. And, and I think furthering that question is now bringing in a guy like Atcom who, you know, big body, which is something they were sorely missing defensive defenseman, something they were sorely missing. Um, does that help? Because, at times, uh, I would say Skinner and Campbell have been left out to dry, where there's been, there's been um, not necessarily on-man rushes, but on-man plays in front of the net, um, hasn't been helping rebounds in some situations. Um, you know, players have had, I would say, communication issues uh, between the defense and the, and the forwards, where, where off rushes, the goalie has been you know, forced to move side to side more than they should uh, or typically should. So there's just so many variables, I would say, that, that leave me kind of going like, I have no idea. I have no idea what this goaltending duo can do in the playoffs. Um, I'm hoping they can be solid. Is it enough to win a cup? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it enough to make a deep run? I, I don't know. With that being said, you had a good run last year with Koskinen and Smith in net. So, you know, if you just get some stable goaltending, and, and those guys, Stuart Skinner, if it's Stuart Skinner, or Campbell, if it's Campbell, manage to smooth it out and to smooth out their performance and, and really not just give up that, that weak goal against. Like, if you just make the saves you're supposed to make, um, you have to hope that the offensive firepower of this team is enough that, you know, the, the goaltending gets you through. Yeah, we were we were honestly saying the same thing in the first hour about the Leafs. We we used the Colorado example that they won with some kind of questionable goaltending yeah. last year to make us feel better. With Matt Cassian right now out of Edmonton, the Leafs play the Oilers tonight. And while we're talking about Jack Campbell, we might as well do the full Toronto X tour. And Zach Hyman, I'm just scrolling through the NHL scoring. Zach Hyman finds himself 19th in scoring in the NHL. He's he's nearing 30 goals. Like what can you say about Zach Hyman in the season that he's having? Um fantastic. He has been I, I let's look outside of Connor and and Leon. Um he has been the most consistent 
forward. I mean, you just you know what you're going to get every single night. He goes to the hard areas of the ice. He's disruptive on the forecheck. He's always around the net. Um, you know, one thing that probably doesn't show up in the score sheet uh, or, or in the stats line is that he's had, I think, seven goals disallowed this year. Um, due to goalie interference, and some of them were, uh, one or two were, you kind of go, yeah, that was, I understand why they called that and and the decision that was made with the video review. Um, But a whole bunch of them were those ones where it's just like, I don't know why this is coming back, or it could (laughs) completely go go either way. Um, So the reality is, is he could have, even let's say there's a couple that were outright goalie interference, he could have another five easily on the, on the, on the board um, here too. So he's just, he's just found ways um, to put the puck in around the net and to be around the net. And, and you know, even the goals um, that have been disallowed, I mean, what that, what tells me and what it should tell you is a lot of those goals are from the, the dirty area around the net where he's getting to. And, and I think when you have Connor and you have Leon who, you know, put a ton of points up on the power play and, um, uh, you know, Leon from his, his one-timer position kind of right by the goal line on, on that right side and, you know, Connor walking off the wall and, and attacking. Um, you need someone in front of the net that's, that's going to find ways to put pucks in off rebounds and to uh, clean up the garbage around there. And Hyman has done a wonderful job of that. So he's just endeared himself deeply to the fans here. Um, I don't think there has been a game this year where I have said after the game, I don't think Zach Hyman had a good game, or I think Zach Hyman had a bad game, or, or you know he wasn't he wasn't involved in this one. Like he's he's just found ways night after night to be that consistent guy, that consistent effort, um, and, and it's showed in consistent performance. Yeah, like the Leafs have let a lot of guys walk as free agents. He's still the guy that feels like the, the one, one that, that got, got away. away. Like like yeah. he, he just does. It's so like you mentioned, he's got seven. You know, disallowed goals. Like I was looking it up last night, leads the league with 13 and a half goals under expected. Like his expected numbers, supposed to be a 40 goal score at this point, based on the quality of, of of opportunities that he's generating for himself. It's absolutely insane what Zach Hyman's uh, been able to do since going over to Edmonton. Um, so we got Leafs and uh, and Oilers tonight, and. Toronto's kind of had Edmonton's number of late, uh, Matt, and they won eight of their last ten meetings against each other. Like, what does, you know, why does Edmonton struggle against this Leaf squad? They can't play defense. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. That, that's been their problem. <laughs> they, they, and even, I will say in some of those games, they've been a little bit, uh, let's call them oddly lower scoring or tighter checking games, mm. but I think. I think what the challenge for Edmonton has been, as it has been against some of the other highly powered offensive teams in the league, is um, you know they even even in games where as a whole they play tighter. And I'll use that Boston game the other day as an, as an example where they they played a really good game. Now Boston clearly is a, is a very very good team, um, best team in the league. Uh, but it's like they made three mistakes in that game, like blatant ones, and all three of those blatant mistakes, the puck ended up in the back of their net. Um, and I, I think even uh, the games they have played against Toronto is, is Toronto has the ability to do that to you as well, where it's like if you, if you do something stupid in your own zone, they have the players to capitalize. And Edmonton has done a five-on-five in particular, just a poor job of that at times, which is why they made the Ekholm trade, you know, to try to cut down on on the instances of that happening. So I would say they've just, they've, not that they've overall struggled to contain uh, Toronto's offense, but they just, 
Toronto has an offense that can they can burn you if you give them an inch. And um, Edmonton has been giving lots of teams lots of inches at times five on five. And um, you know, hopefully for Edmonton's sake, they clean it up tonight. Um, hopefully for our sake, both teams just play horrible in the defensive zone, and we see a massive offensive shootout because that would be a ton of fun. But um, you know, I I would lean <laughs> more towards I I I think both teams will probably knowing what's on the other end of the rink, um, probably try to play a pretty tight game. Yeah. Should be a treat tonight. Typically what we see. Uh, Matt, just before we let you go, we'd be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts on everything the Leafs have done in the last 12 days. Six new roster players in the fold, Sandine and Engvall out the door. Uh, How do you evaluate Kyle Dubas' trade deadline so far? Well, it's been active, hasn't it? Um, I mean, and, and in some sense, you, you kind of had to because everyone else was doing it. And, and you know, it's, it's the uh, we're going streaking mindset like everybody's doing it. So we kind of we kind of have to. Um, I, you know what? I, I think I like most of what he's done. I think the you know the Shen the Shen trade um, at the end is kind of a depth move helps you on kind of that some of that stabilization similar to what Edmonton needed in in the defensive side with a veteran guy and um, you know you're going to go up against most likely uh, or almost likely I would say a, a Tampa team in that first round and it's like well I think you brought in some pieces that will that will help you with that so um, you know at the end of the day we're probably going to look back at this and evaluate it based on what happens in the first and second rounds of the play. Playoffs, but um, I I do think he is trying to address what they see as issues, and uh, you know for Toronto, I'm I'm you know I'm happy that they're trying to they're trying to smooth it out isn't the right word, but they're trying to they're trying to balance out the team a little bit, um, and they're they're trying to go a direction to say you know what we need to be a team that isn't just built for regular season success, but is built a little bit more for that playoff style hockey, and I, I think I think. Um, you're going to see that. Now, with that being said, Tampa's still really good, and it's like, well, you know, that series could go either way, and, you know, the second round, whoever that ends up being, that could go either way. It's just such a – I look at that East, and I'm just like, oh, boy, like that's just going to be an entertaining first couple of rounds. Yeah, my word association is gauntlet. Yeah. It's an yeah. absolute oh, yeah. gauntlet a, right now. Yeah. It's crazy. Great, great one. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Really appreciate you taking the time, uh, Matt. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll chat again soon. Uh, thanks both, uh, Mike and Julie. Appreciate it. Appreciate you as well. There he goes. Matt Cassian, former NHLer, hockey analyst with uh, TSN 1260 out in Edmonton. We've got a couple updates. Why don't we take a break, come back, get to some updates here of what's going on in practice. we got a projected starter, and we know what number Luke Shen is going to wear, and I'm not happy about it. A trade in the West? A trade in the West has happened. So we got a lot to get to on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tichere. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Wednesday? Wednesday? What? What Wednesday? This is a lie. It's a lie. Word Association Wednesday on Leafs Lunch. One word, full of meaning. Because <laughs> we love Word Association Wednesday. What is that word? But there's so much happening right word. now. We don't really have time. So we'll get to Word Association Wednesday if we have a minute. We just like think that's a really jazzy little thing that Nick and, and uh, Josh have made up back there. So 
play it, and we'll, we'll get into what's going on with the Leafs. They're in Edmonton right now preparing for their tilt versus the Oilers at a perfectly appropriate time of 8 p.m. Shout out to the yes. league for giving us that Absolutely. one. Because I love the West All- Coast trips are so fun. Like, yeah. Calgary's going to be a great game. Edmonton, great game. But it's like, do I want to stay up till 10 o'clock? No. All these not. games have been really sh- Like, it was a 7 p.m. Start so in Seattle. Reasonable. 8 p.m. start here tonight. I think tomorrow might be a 9 p.m. start. People think the world doesn't revolve around the Leafs and their schedule. Yeah, that's Wrong. not bad. I'll, I'll take an 8 p.m. <laughs> game. I'll take an 8 p.m. game. It's all, uh, that's a primetime game. Um, but, yeah, we do got some some updates from Leafs practice. Looks like Ilya Samsonov is the projected starter tonight. Um, so far, no word, actually, on Matt Murray, which, again, he's technically eligible to be elevated off LTIR today. We'll see if maybe they wait to do that tomorrow because um, then they'll have to send down uh, send somebody down. So maybe they wait and he plays the second half of the back to back in Calgary. They, I would think they like should they want to get a one look at him before the deadline? No, like if he's ready to go, obviously, or or he's not, and they just know that. Like one of those two things, right? Such a gamble. Like if he's not ready to go today or tomorrow, and he's like eligible to come off, and we've seen him at practice. He joined the team on the road. If he doesn't play in tomorrow's game, like that, that's very concerning and and that does raise my uh it does raise alarm bells a little bit and probably would put more pressure on dubas to make a move on friday if he's not ready to go tomorrow it's like geez what do you you're on the road you're practicing full practice like what do you mean you're not ready yet it's been veiled in this curtain two months no (laughs) no comments really on matt murray like just just that the ankle isn't quite there yet was the most recent update that we heard and then yeah to your point he joined the team on the road joined practice so hopefully we'll hear on matt murray in the next couple of days because they have the back-to-back they go to calgary tomorrow we're gonna have to hear something before friday hopefully and it it remains a pretty important hinge that the leaves are settled on because or is it ab like or is it that much of a hinge because like even if he's ready to go tomorrow in Calgary and he has a good game, he makes 30 saves, oh, they, they win still, the game. still should make a move. Yeah. Like, so yeah. does it matter that much? It doesn't. It doesn't matter much, no. Like, regardless, they still should make a move. But for peace of mind for myself and probably for Kyle <laughs> Dubas, like, let's get a game. If you're good to go, like, let's activate you and see what you're all about. Let's make sure you don't have another little flare-up ahead of game time 10 minutes before puck drop. You know what I mean? Yeah, you fair know? enough. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so Samsonov, obviously the starter tonight. Shen mm-hmm. and Gustafson sounds like they'll arrive in Edmonton later today. They're not going to play tonight. Uh, I just favorited a tweet that someone dug up an old number two Luke Shen jersey, and I think people around Leafs Nation are doing that. Very unfortunate. Number two was just taken the day before. How, like, why? On, Kyle, you got to warn the equipment staff about that sort of thing. Right, <laughs> right. Keep, like keep Bobby in the loop. Frankie was sharing a story on Overdrive yesterday where he wanted to get a number. I Actually, I think 22 might have been the number he wanted to get because they said you got 20 or 29 or something like that. He's like, well, what about 22? And he said, no, that's that's spoken for in the future. And then that following season, Nikita Zaitsev came into the fold and took 22. So Really? That was the guy that you replaced that's, that's, 22 for? Yeah, if I was Frankie, did. I would like riot about that well, in, in hindsight. I don't know if Frankie was able to, to do that. <laughs> like, I love the guy, but I don't think he, he had the cachet to demand to but steal I mean, a number. But I mean, like, yeah, if it was Mo that wanted if it was Dion that wanted but Nikita was holding it, but he yeah. was he was Mikey Babcock's, Babcock's favorite for a minute there. He's still on that big, massive contract that they gave him. Besides the point, though, but Luke Shen, like, he brings cachet where, like, 
Jake McCabe should not be married to number two. No. Like, if you make that deal, and I know that yesterday was announced that McCabe's going to wear two, like, Luke Shedd should come back, and, and they should be like, actually, can you be 22? Like, Shen, give his old number back, you know, all the fans. They have They, it. they were hoping McCabe could wear 24. Now, if McCabe, you know, if, if can we at least get Shen to wear number two? Yeah. You know, now he's number 22. It's, it's just, no, that's, that's two strikes. That's twice now where Leaf fans could have dug up old jerseys, and now they got to go buy new ones. That's probably keep what it's all about. It's all about buying apparel and that hockey-related revenue. Yeah, That's what it is deep down. in orders, guys. Uh, uh, McCabe also, excellent hair. Haven't made that mm-hmm. uh, scouting report on, on <laughs> the new Maple Leaf, but Good hair. fabulous hair on the guy. Um, I have something exciting to tell you, and I think I like get to break the news to you because David Alter just tweeted out some projected lines for tonight. Oh, uh, isn't that exciting? Yes. So, um, Keith says Kerfoot will go into the spot previously occupied by Engvall. These Ooh. are the projected lines that David Alter of Hockey Illustrated has uh, has for tonight. Bunting, Matthews, Marner. Top line. Never heard of them. Tavares, O'Reilly, Nylander. Okay. Kerfoot, Camp, Yarncroc, Aston Reese, Achari, Lafferty. Um, so this is without Shen and Gustafson. Those couple ads from yesterday, but uh, what do you think of, of how this shakes out? So when I put my kind of mock-up yesterday, I think I the only difference, I thought maybe Lafferty would get that push up to the third line, and Lafferty, along with uh, Camp and Yarncroft, maybe we'll see what type of energy they could provide, especially since I've liked what Zach Aston Reese, Charlie, and Kerfoot have, have given us since that O'Reilly trade. Yeah. Right? Like, that's been a really good fourth line. I think you look at the way that Achari and Zach Aston Reese have brought, you know, the meat and potatoes, Kerfoot's been able to be kind of the skill on that line to allow them to continue to kind of create a little bit of offense as well. So I thought maybe it was good to have him there. But, you know, Lafferty's not a complete plug when it comes to producing, so he should be able to to also fill in a role that way. So I guess pushing Kerfoot up to the third line, maybe I should have foresaw it. Because we know how much Keith loves Kerfoot. Yeah, like, and we know that Kerfoot is versatile, too. Very, to, to very. In his defense of all the times we've kind of dogged on him here and there, like, I, he I is also, very versatile. I also wonder how much lefty-righty kind of mm. factored in there. Because you got both Yarkrock and Lafferty, who are both right shots, whereas Kerfoot a left shot. Like, now you've got your left winger as a left shot. You keep Lafferty on the right on the fourth line as your right shot. Like I, That also could have legitimately been part of the process. Yeah. Right. Just making sure you have your 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 handedness potentially. Yeah. It doesn't matter as much on the blue line now, apparently. No. But uh, up front, maybe that's something that they they look at. I mean, again, we expect to see so many different lineup combinations through the the next you know twenty games or probably like dozen games or so by the final six or seven. I, I would like to see things kind of stabilize. So probably through the next dozen games. Things will change. I'm yeah. sure we'll see Lafferty up on the third pair on the third line. I'm sure we'll see Kerfoot down on the fourth line. I'm sure we'll see O'Reilly still at some point maybe get a, a roll down the middle and, and Tavares moves back into, you know, the two C hole. Like I'm sure we'll still see a lot more different iterations of what this lineup could look like. Yeah. But this is what we got tonight and, and I'm excited for it. Like new I, I it's always fun around this time, like the first game to see what the new guys look like. Totally. Right? So we've got Sam Lafferty and then and then Jake McCabe where Based on yesterday's lineup, it looks like he's going to play with T.J. Brody. So, yeah, and that's what I wanted. I don't find – I find the forwards the, – the way that he's lining up the forwards interesting, but also I'm, I'm kind of meh on it because Shel- – not meh to the way it's structured, but meh because Sheldon Keefe changes things so often that, yeah. like, I, he's not though, married like, to anything. I wouldn't be surprised if this is game one lineup, though. No, that could be game one. Yeah. Yeah. 
the forward, maybe my point is more like the forward group kind of shakes itself out. Yep. You know who's in your top six. You know who your bottom six is. Like we were having that conversation with uh, Joe Bowen on Friday that the first line and the second line bleed into one another and the third line and the fourth line kind of bleed into one yeah. another and play the same roles. The D pairings I find extremely interesting. So these were the D pairings of practice before Rasmus Sandin was, was carted off and traded. Carted off. He was essentially carted. He just walked off. He was kind of sad. Brody uh, and McCabe, Riley and Hall, uh, Geo and Lilligren. And, and Sandine and Timmons. So, with these couple new guys in the fold, and, and I guess uh, in subtracting Simmons, or not Simmons, Sandine tonight, I, I think it's safe to assume that the pairings that rolled at practice yesterday will be the pairings that we see tonight in, in game to start at least? I would imagine. I would imagine that's that's what we'll see. And, and I'll tell you how much I absolutely hate that. Okay. Um, I, I did make an audible puking noise at the second pairing. Yeah, like that's 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 for me. I think a couple of a couple of weeks ago it was one of my goes was you know Morgan Riley and, and Justin Hall as a D pairing. Like I, I, I just I really don't think that they they've worked this year, and especially of late. I, I I do have a couple of numbers that I can bring up here as to kind of how gross that they've been. I was I was going back and forth with uh, with Frankie on actually funny enough last night, and Justin Hall and Morgan Riley have been on the ice for three point seven three goals against per sixty when on the ice together this season, which is the worst among all Leafs defensive pairings. So thought i didn't think that keith really liked the riley hall pairing either he, but he no he likes that pairing i don't know why but he does okay because he always reverts back to it like even last year in the playoffs he he kind of gave that a little yeah. bit of a go whenever things go right like if, if they need to put you know when when brody was injured it was kind of riley and and hall who he trusted to go up and, and play that kind of role so am i optimistic in thinking that maybe hall was a placeholder at practice yesterday because if 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 Riley played with Shen, I'd find that a little bit cute. So that was my thought process as well when I saw the Shen trade come down. So there's a couple mm. hours there where I was like, gross, Riley and, 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 and Hall, don't like that too much. Um, but then the Shen trade came down, and, and to your point, I think the thought crossed my mind as well. Like, I wonder if, if, if that was kind of a placeholder for Luke Shen. Like, and that's yeah. when you look at the D pairings. You've got your shutdown defensive pair in, uh, in, in Brody and McCabe. And then you've got a D pair in, in Riley and, and Luke Shen. And then you've got Timothy Lilligren and, uh, and Mark Giordano. I like Luke Shen playing with Morgan Riley because if you look at who Shen's played with the most in the last two years, it's Quinn Hughes. And if there's one defenseman on this team right now that plays the, the most similar style of defenseman on the Maple Leafs to Quinn Hughes, it's, it's Morgan Riley. Right. Like the guy who's, who'll, who'll jump up into the rush and kind of be a, a riverboat gambler at times. And, and you know you're going to have a role that you've got to stay in your own end and you're always going to have to cover. And, and Luke Shen can be that guy. And I was looking. He's, he's got really good denial rates, so he'll be good against uh, off the rush. And, and obviously we know what he can do in terms of being a, an imposing body out there and boxing guys out. I think it was Brian Hayes who brought this up yesterday, which kind of also added to, to my thought process. I think if you're the Leafs, you look at it, you want McCabe, Shen, and Gio all on separate pairings. Because then that at least gives you one guy who one plays babysitter. that heavy, heavy game who cross-check you in front of the net and make it difficult for opposing guys and not allow those 
rebound goals, which we've talked about a little bit over the last couple of days. Those are the dudes who can play, you know, that physical, strong game in front. So, you know, if you have Luke Shen alongside Morgan Riley, that gives him that presence more than I think Justin Hall would give give you that presence. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So maybe a placeholder kind of situation. Uh, we have to go to break, but we tease that there was a trade in the West, A.B., and and. Such is the case. Lars Eller headed to the Colorado Avalanche. So they're they're loading up after kind of an underwhelming season where they're probably just going to have to limp to the playoffs. Like once you're in, you're in. And, and I don't doubt that Colorado could do. They're some heating damage. up now, though. They yeah. like the last month or so. They've they've gotten their act together. As, yes. Uh, you know, it's that's a scary team in the West. That is going to be a scary team in the West. Like coming into the year, I think they were probably the Cup favorites again to repeat, and they've just had so many injuries. Like. Their captain's been gone all season. Yeah, nothing's come together like to uh, the cars to Matt's point. Had like, a lot of issues. Nothing's come together at the right time. For no, them. no. So I think you know that's a team. They get healthy, they'll be a problem. They'll be a problem come playoff time for sure. So adding depth again, bringing in Lars Eller, guy who can come in and play some good, you know, third line center for you, and just build out that center depth. I think is a solid addition for the Colorado Avalanche. All right. On the other side, we'll continue to get into tonight's game. Leafs and Oilers down in Edmonton. Uh, we got uh, Professor Al's brother coming up next. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. It's time for Puck Picks with Professor Al's brother. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa Prepaid Cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. It's Mike DiStefano and Julia Tasheri. We got Leafs and Oilers tonight, 8 p.m. puck drop down in Edmonton. And we've got uh, puck picks with myself. Let's so, rock. Here's what I like tonight, Julia. I, I, I don't like picking sides against these two teams. I know that Toronto, they won eight of the last 10 games, so like maybe Toronto Moneyline might be a decent option. But you just never know against McDavid. I don't like betting against McDavid. It's pretty much a, a rule Fair. that I have most nights. But there are a couple plays that I do like for tonight. So I'm looking at Zach Hyman, anytime goal, paying plus 140. He's a former Leaf playing the Leafs. He's got 28 goals on the season. And he's a guy who, as Zach Cassian said, probably should have 35. And according to the numbers, the analytics, he has a league-high minus 13.5 goals below expectation. So he should be a 40-goal scorer. And tonight, uh, I could see him potting against his former club. I'm looking at Mitch Marner tonight. Over the number of half a power play point at plus 166. The Oilers PK operating at 75% this season. The power play runs through Mitch Marner. If they get a goal, odds are it's, he's going to have uh, possession of the puck at some point there and get himself a power play point. And I'm looking at Austin Matthews over three and a half shots on goal. He had five shots when he was reunited with Mitch Marner in Seattle. We know that when he's playing with Marner, he's more trigger happy, and uh, I can see him going for four or more. That's at minus 148. All these plays can be made over on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I have, like, sad news about that a little bit. You know how I've been really hot with betting lately? I hate to say it out loud, uh, but I can now because I accidentally locked myself out of my account. And it's How does that happen? 
it just wanted me to. I, I only use it on my phone. I use yeah. the app on my phone. Like this is a fixable problem. AB, it's just one that. Is it the geolocation thing? No, I just. I it just wanted me to re-enter my credentials, and I hadn't done it in a while because oh, usually okay. I just do the face scan. <laughs> and I guess I entered my password wrong. And it locked the account. So it's like, hey, you got to message our people. And then I was like 37th in the queue, and I, I I just didn't have the attention span to sit there in the queue and be 37th. So you won't be making wagers tonight. No, I've uh, got I've got to been hot. commit some time to getting back into my account. Uh, I feel like we should have a connect though to just like let me does, back in. Does substitute teacher Julia want to throw out a potential potential anytime goal scorer tonight? Do you have a feel for somebody oh. either side of the ice? You know, I've been doing pretty good with the anytime goal scorers. How about how about how about? A like I, I the first name that I wanted to say was just, was Achari, so I'm gonna go with Achari. Noel Achari. Yeah. I think we'll get a nice depth goal from Noel Achari tonight. That's probably playing some pretty good money, I would assume. Yeah, you get yeah. Noel Achari out there, maybe a Sam Lafferty. Okay, first game back. I like it. Right, nice little boosty boost. Actually, let's check and see if there is any boost. There typically there should be a boost out there tonight on on uh, on Fanduel. Typically there is when there's a game like that. I always that. take the boosty boost. Oh yeah, at least okay so. Austin Matthews to score a goal and Leafs to win the game, boost it from plus two eight to plus three hundred. So you're getting three to one odds if the Leafs win and Matthews scores a goal. I like that as well. Oh, interesting. That's a, a nice from play. Dregs as we're on our way out. Go ahead. A couple trade related reasons out in Anaheim. Uh-huh. Klingberg and Kulikov held out tonight for trade related reasons. The old TRR. So Klingberg's an interesting name here, isn't it? Yeah, like it was he, a. It, he was linked to. Toronto last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Like he was a great player when he was with Dallas. He was a terrific player. He signed for seven million bucks this offseason. Like he was a good top four defenseman. Yeah. And he's gone to Anaheim and has forgotten how to play hockey. Just straight up he's forgotten how to play the game. And I don't understand it. Um, but it makes sense. Like they signed him to a one year deal with the expectation that they're probably not going to be a team that's going to be, you know, have any amount of success this year. They didn't plan on it. And they would flip him at the deadline for a pick or a prospect and, and retain half and probably get a decent asset from it. Yeah. But now, like, statistically, he's literally been one of the worst defensemen in hockey this year. That's terrible. I didn't realize it was that bad. It's been, uh, it's been quite atrocious. As, you know, Jack Campbell is also looking... Statistically, fourth worst goaltender in the National Hockey League yeah, this season. But I believe that more than I believe the uh, <laughs> I believe the other one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is. Been I, I don't know who we're gonna see tonight. I don't think I've seen a, a projected starter from Edmonton perspective, either Stu Skinner or Jack Campbell. You would you would kind of hope that Campbell gets a start because I don't. I think it does work. Did he play? Be- lo- he hasn't played him yet, right? This is the first time they played Edmonton. I believe. Yeah, I don't think we've seen Connor versus the Leafs yet this year. I, I know that uh, like Edmonton had a back-to-back Sunday, Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack played versus Columbus on Sunday. So if they're alternating, he would be uh, he'd be next up. I think it should be him. That would be uh, yeah. They played Jan five, twenty twenty-two. So they haven't played yet this year. It would be Jack Campbell revenge game potentially. I'm hoping we see Campbell tonight. I, I, we can't even call it a revenge game. He left us here. Well, 
Dubis opted to go in a different direction. No, I know. <laughs> he opted to go in a different direction, and and probably when you look I at the year that Campbell's had, the word revenge with Jack Campbell. He's call. just a just a happy muffin. He is. He is, and 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 hopefully he can you know rebound and and do good things because it's a good squad. They went. They got better by adding Ekholm. I'm not sure if Ekholm's going to play tonight. Or if he uh, he might be waiting a, a day or so, f- just like Luke Shen and Eric Gustafson, not going to play tonight. But Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe will. So there's a couple of new fresh blood in the lineup tonight. Should be a, a fun game. I'm excited for it. 8 p.m. puck drop in Edmonton. Uh, good stuff, JT. You think we'll see a, a trade between now, like a Leafs-related move between now and the, the next time we're on air at noon tomorrow? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm interested. To see. I feel like we might. Things went burr when we got off the air I yesterday. Know. I we'll didn't see. even know how to act. I was driving. I was listening to Overdrive. I was trying not to text. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think Craig's going to join us in studio tomorrow, oh, too. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, I it'll forgot. It'll be a fun show. I'm excited for tomorrow we gotta bring and the treats. rest of the week. We got to bring snacks. Uh, you you should have got some. I know. What are they I don't Persians? have Persians. Should have got some Persians flown in or something. Okay, I gotta get thinking. Yeah, how, can they get here in 24 hours? Can you? Can I don't you know make if I happen? had that kind of pull. <laughs> All right, maybe we can see if we can find somewhere in the city that two has tweets those. Tweets today about having an accent. An accent, yeah. like a T-Bay accent. I don't think I really do. I but don't know. Two tweets today, AB, about my accent. That's interesting. I know. That's. All right. We'll have to dissect that <laughs> at a later date. That'll do it for us today, though. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matty Cos coming up next.